Have you guys been following uh, the story? There's two of them that pop into my head. The first is the um, teacher that was shot by the six-year-old. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Do you know what's happening with that now? Or do you, and or do you know what's happening with the teacher who was beaten unconscious by the 270-pound student in Florida? Have you followed either of those stories? I haven't heard about the the kid beating up the teacher, but I do. I've heard about the kid who shot his teacher, and then they tried to claim workman's like as a workplace injury, like you're expected to get shot right, at work. Like, uh huh. So you can't sue us. But then the court recently said, no, you can sue. That's not an expected workplace kindergarten injury. Although they're trying to overturn it. They're trying of course to they are. appeal. appeal. For of course the, they are. Like yeah. $40 million loss. Well, their exposure is so much <clears throat> less if it's a worker's comp injury, right? That's nonsense. It's absolute yeah. <laughs> nonsense. I'm sorry. The only people who should expect to get shot at work and not even them would be police officers. Whoa, expect. Well, I mean, there's a reasonable expectation it could happen on the Like it's a possibility that you would be shot. It's more of a possibility. Yeah. There's no way a teacher is going to walk into a room at school and expect to get shot. Or like a Navy SEAL, maybe, yeah. Yeah, or military or something like that. To fall within the confines of a workplace injury. Absolutely. But even then, don't you think a police officer who gets shot, are they just going to get workers' comp? Is that what they get? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. My stepson just became a police officer, but I don't know what it is. But back to the that teacher episode, that was also, I think she's suing on some level of negligence of mm-hmm. repeated warning signs. Multiple uh, warnings yeah. that there was a gun in the backpack, uh-huh. multiple things going on there. So not yeah. just like it was a, a tragedy that happened at the school. I think it's more... right. And yeah, the other something one, could have been yeah. done to help her. And the other one in Florida is the... The huge kid, uh, I think it had to do with his Nintendo Switch getting taken away. That was a special day class situation. Was he it? Was like in a, I, I believe, I'm not speaking out here. I think he was like in a, like, like a emotion, emotionally, yeah, yeah. emotionally uh-huh. disturbed or whatever yeah. word we use. I don't really know. Right, yeah. So, okay. Well, still, she was like, I don't know if you saw the video, but I actually saw the video. It popped up on Reels or something, and it... You know, she's laying on the ground and getting wailed on. So. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. That was, uh, that was fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Are you guys ready to get started? Yeah. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Middleman. This is episode number 11. It is a weekly podcast focused on education issues, specifically from the perspective of male middle school teachers. I am your slightly above average host, Brian Brown, with my two colleagues. Introduce yourself, gentlemen. Brad Curry. Derek Bullington. All right. With our combined 78 years of classroom teaching experience, our opinion is no more important than yours. We just happen to have a microphone. So in this episode, we wanted to talk about school violence It is at the forefront of our minds because in one of our middle schools list last week, there was a situation with a student and a lockdown and a bunch of kids running off of campus. And to say that it has freaked our community out is really an understatement. And so it seems very prescient to us to to talk about this and to talk about violence in schools and maybe our experience with it and then offering some thoughts that we might have on how schools can be safer. I don't imagine this is going to be a very humorous conversation, but um, I think it's an important one uh, and one that uh, more people should be talking about. 
So guys, we're not going to talk about the specific incident in our district, but we do know that it's going to inform this conversation. We can transition to something more philosophical at some future point, but practically speaking, and you know, besides student-on-student -student violence, students having fights that you have to intervene in, I guess the starting question is, has there ever been a violent incident at one of the schools or campuses that you've been at that you can recall? Kind of starting there. Yeah. Yeah? What happened? Uh, well, actually, back to, when I was in junior high, there were a couple incidents with PE teachers and a group of kids like pulled the sweatshirt over the teacher and hit him and stuff. So like, wow. it's not unheard of in my experience. Um, like the kids attacked the teacher intentionally? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that goes I mean, way back. But that was something that I seem to remember hearing happening. Um, you don't hear those stories, though, from long ago. They seem to be very prevalent now, but... You know, oh, I think just I don't mean long ago to fast. insult you, Brad. I just yeah, mean long I, ago, meaning I wonder I things have changed. And mm -hmm. that's part of what I was going to talk about. But th the way things are reported on, things are amplified infinitely more now. Yeah. There's been situations that human nature, you get people together, people, you know, some people bully with language, some people run out of ideas and they hit people. Mm -hmm. But I think that's been going on but nowadays it's it's worse and it's every time you know there's videos of everything now right for sure for sure i uh personally i've never been hit by a kid i was i had yard duty two or three years ago like after school and a kid came up with his hand and made like a gun like made his hand into like a gun mm -hmm. and put it to the back of my head and uh mm. clicked his thumb like a trigger and the um, custodian was like, what? And some kids told me about it, and the kid got dealt with. But yeah. um, I remember once at our school, we had a, a teacher who was pregnant. She got in the middle of a fight between two girls, got knocked down, um, and that was not good. We had another teacher. There was a student who, on her lunch, went to a classroom that was in session. We had two different lunches. Went into the classroom to beat up a kid who was in class, wow. in session. Uh, teacher tried to intervene, got a knee injury, like ACL injury. Oh, wow. Um, my Another teacher last year um, was verbally threatened by students, and like police had to get involved. Um uh, wouldn't say that there was a lot of backup or support for those. It was more like, don't press charges. Because mm -hmm. um, it'll make it bad for the school or something. Uh, I've got some more here. But, yeah, it's usually I think it's getting mixed up between two students having a fight. Right. Like, I it used to seem like I was, I don't know if I was on the blacktop more, but I feel like I broke up a lot of fights earlier in my career, and I haven't in a long time. Mm. And I didn't ever really worry about it back then. Maybe I'm more fragile now, but I feel like I would. <laughs> I might. Uh, maybe kids are getting bigger. Maybe the fights are bigger. There was a event. Now last you would year. break. Last back then you would bend, not break. But now you're older, uh, yeah, so you're yeah. gonna break. Yeah. Last year there was an event, and it was a fight after school, and there was maybe 150 kids. Wow. That went swarming over right at the park outside of our school. 
swarming over. There was no way any adults were going to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Police got called. It was like a, I want to say like a 15 to 17 minute response. It was not fast. It, it The situation kind of wore itself out. Some parents got out of their cars in the pickup loop and came over to try to do disperse it. Yeah. But uh, we had a couple of vice principals with phones and megaphones trying to ask 150 kids that are screaming and yelling and gleefully videotaping right, everything recordings you know uh derek you got any experiences i haven't <clears throat> excuse me sorry i haven't seen a lot of um i haven't really experienced any violence like in my teaching as far as physical violence there's been one or two instances where i've like intervened which into something that was about to become a fight which never did mm-hmm. um but i've seen like you know people at our school to other teachers and ad- administrators and um, folks there who've been hit by other students, you know, breaking up fights. I don't know that I've ever, I can't recall anyone ever actually being attacked by a student intentionally. I have had a parent threaten me over the phone, like in a phone call and tell me they know where I live and their husband's going to come and kick my ass and stuff like that. Mm. And I filed a police report for that. And then the parent got banned from the campus and stuff. But that's the only like real violence that was ever like directed at me but yeah i've been and it's like you said i'm i'm not out like a lot of the stuff that happens i think happens out in the like lunchtime and right. before and after school where i'm not necessarily out there we have you know lots of kids who walk home and they it happens you know on the way home down the, the hill from school so but i I, don't, I haven't really seen even like physical fights at our school that i can think of yeah so in your pe realm though i was curious uh do you do any coaching? Have you experienced like the parents in the bleachers? Oh, thing? that's interesting. Yeah. Well, right. I used to coach a lot. I haven't coached for a long time, but that's why I stopped coaching. The last time I was coaching, I was coaching sixth grade boys basketball and the parents weren't happy with the officiating. And as the referee was leaving out into the parking lot to go home and these referees, um, I, I never was under the impression they cared who won a game. They got like 25 bucks for the hour and were just collecting their money and leaving Mm -hmm. but the parents were just going off on this guy several parents followed him out to his car and were yelling at him and i had to go out there and be like hey you know what are you guys doing leave him alone this is not okay and then i I stopped coaching after that because i was like this is insane but um yeah that was the only time that really happened there's there's definitely heated you know parents in the bleachers and now and then I, i had to address but that was the only time where it like crossed the line where i was like dude you can't bother these people it's not i had that happen i coached a number of years of cyo and i had a game i think it was fifth grade my son was on our team and a kid on the other team pulled the rebound down and then put their elbows out and was swinging them around and and hit one of my kids in the mouth and uh, the first time he missed him but we all saw what happened and the second time he got him and his dad came out of the stands and was going after and yelling at the coach and then after the game they were both yelling at each other and I'm like, stop, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was my, my sports experience. My, my only experience with school was back when I was subbing. Um, I was subbing a high school class down in Southern California. And I was given a quiz for to give these kids and um, handed it to them. They're high schoolers. I'm watching them. And the kid in the back is just full on copying off of the person next to them. And uh, I go up and I take his test and I'm like, you're cheating. And um, he and I walk up to the front. It's a few moments later and he comes walking up to me in front of everyone and like squares up with me. And he's like, I wasn't cheating. You're going to give me my test back. And I thought, what am I going to do in this situation? Because it was very clear that if I didn't, something was going to happen. So I'm like, "Okay." 
So I was a high school kid, high school kid. So I looked down and saw his name, handed it back to him, let him do his thing. He brought it up. I put it in the middle of the pile. So he looked like I didn't do anything. And he walked out of the room and I pulled it out and I wrote cheating on the top. And I never went back to that school again. (laughs) That was the end of that. So I don't know what happened, but I did not. I did not go back there. that's That's a whole nother I subbed for like three years too when I was getting my teaching credential, uh-huh. <laughs> and I subbed everywhere. It was all it was high school for the most part in the Mount Diablo school district, and uh, I went to some elementary schools. I went to Riverview and other places, and it was all fine. I liked it, but I subbed uh, a auto shop class, mm-hmm. and the kids went wild. And they put like they put they put this is where I found this out. They put. Uh, spark plugs in socks okay, i guess the ceramic is very hard and it just shatters windows right away oh yeah yeah. they were smashing out the windows in the cars in the shop and i was like hey, whoa whoa whoa!" i tried to like and apparently one of the kids that was doing it was related to somebody so nothing happened i'm like if you don't care i don't care i'm, <laughs> right. never, I'm never coming back here right yeah. for sure that's insane yeah so um so then i guess we can talk about like why do you why does this stuff seem to be more prevalent um, what do you think we should do about it? I don't know. Or what could we do about it? Or your general thoughts about it? I don't know. Wherever you guys want to go with this. But I think the interesting thing, you're talking like prevalence, whatever, it, it's changed. It used to be more threat of a kid's a bully or if, you, if you're a teacher and you let things get out of control and it turns into like a personality clash where a kid doesn't like you and you don't like that kid and it you let it turn into a festering thing where, you know, maybe the kid has had enough or a bad day or something. You know, mm-hmm. we've probably all been in situations where you didn't get along with a kid and maybe early in your career didn't handle it too well. But nowadays everything can kind of smooth it over. But it feels like now it's a little more existential with this school shooter thing. Mm-hmm. Just the concept of I'm not really afraid of any kid that I know in my classroom. You know, I'm a, I'm afraid of the kid I've never I've seen once walking around campus just freaking out, you know, mm-hmm. and shooting stuff up. I mm-hmm. think, and that's a I, I never used to that wasn't even a thought process at all. Have you? I mean, have you ever had? Obviously, we're going to be very general with this, but have you ever had kids in your class that you've been very concerned about? I have. I can think back on my 12 or 13 years. I can I could name two to three kids where I'm like, I have to watch this kid. I'm super concerned at what this kid is going to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I've had students who, who are, I would think, like, if I had to say, like, this, who is someone who's capable of doing something like that? I've had students who I would say that's somebody I, I would um, be concerned about. And it's not that I want to even think that way about my students at all. I don't go into it that way. But when you've been with them, you know, an hour a day for 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 13 weeks, and you see, you know, their personality come out and the things that they're doing, it, I just like, just like the kid who does really well, and you can see that you right. you you extrapolate from that what could, what could be, and you have to pay attention. It's right? kind of a numbers game too. You you deal with the public. You get a hundred to two hundred students a year. You do that for thirty years. You've got yourself thousands of people you've interacted with, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's you know I don't know if that part is exceptional, but you have come across all sorts of people, and some of them are kind of scary all sorts of people from all sorts of situations with all sorts of different ways that they respond to stuff. Yeah. And we see students in lots of different conditions, you know, when they're happy, when they're sad, when they're under a lot of 
stress and pressure, mm-hmm. whether it's for a test or it's classmates. But we, we see them in lots of different lights, not just the one, you know, even if it's for one period or one hour a day. We see them, you know, in different facets of going throughout their day and kind of running the gamut of emotions a lot of times, too. So mm-hmm. I feel like we do get a kind of a, a good glimpse of who they are. Do you think, I mean, what do you think the reason is for this happening? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I If we think back to, like, the history, I, I don't want to talk about the history of school shooters, but, you know, when we think back to the history of the most prevalent and prominent one that I obviously remember is in 1999 in Columbine, right? And I don't know about you guys, but I was watching that on TV. I had gotten home from graduate school and I was sitting there and I was watching the live feed on TV. And um, it is one of the few things that I've seen on TV that made me cry. Like I was actually crying thinking I cannot believe that kids would feel like they needed to do this to other kids. Um, And then from there, it became this sort of national thing, right? Where now we have all these trainings and all this stuff. Um, But it's not like, I mean, I imagine those things, it's certainly that was the, the greatest, by greatest, I mean, largest and most uh, public example, but I'm sure that there are instances of it happening before, but it does seem like, again, it's super rare, but, but when it does happen, we are so informed about it. I think we're numb to it now. It's, it's not I think like, we are now, too. I think it's yeah. become like a thing where we don't even... It's just like, oh, yeah, like, I don't even know if it always makes the news anymore like it used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I'm not really sure. So, But why do you think that's a... I guess the question is, why do you think that that's a place that, that kids feel like they should turn in response to whatever is going on in their lives? Well, I think the biggest thing is that that's where kids spend most of their day. So that's where they feel comfortable. Like It's like how kids come and hang out in our parking lot after school when they're in high school. It's just, it's a place where they've spent most of their waking hours for mm-hmm. several years. They're comfortable there. They know the people around there. Um, and so I think when they go back, like when they're, if they're having emotions or thoughts or feelings about people, that's probably where, you know, if they've been wronged or whatever the reason mm-hmm. is. But um, I was looking, I know I sent you guys some stuff, but I was looking kind of at the data as far as like school shootings in particular and what's been happening. And over the last like 20 years or so, there hasn't really been, you know, there's been some ups and downs as far as the numbers of actual like violent deaths in schools. But um, that's generally because, you know, of a large body count and mm-hmm. one particular shooting. But over the course of like 20 years, there really hasn't been a big increase at all. It's been pretty steady, actually, as far as the number that of, that's been happening and the What's number the of range? people. Um, the range of, um, like, of, of deaths is about... It's somewhere between 30 and 40 people are killed on school at schools each year. And that's just school, um, from what I was going to school associated deaths, not necessarily students, but staff members as well. Mm. So, but it hasn't really increased in the last 20 years, which in my mind, I would think it's increased a lot because I've heard so much more about it. Yeah. But, and that's kind of like what we mentioned earlier. There's just so much more uh, media that we consume now, I think. But, um, I, I don't know. So I I don't know that's been a big increase. I know there's a lot more talking about it. And I feel like a lot of that has, I think one of the reasons I brought this up as a topic to talk about is that we're, so we're, we're now training kids to be aware of school shooters and to be concerned about school shooters and to know what happens when the school shooters come and how to hide under their desks and how to cover the windows and how to do all this stuff. Where to run away. away, Right. Whether they should run or all these things. And I know we've all gone through specific training through a company that's been paid to teach us how to 
survive a school shooter situation to the best we can and to increase our odds, which from what I've looked at, none of the information that they've shared does anything to increase anyone's odds um, that's been actually applied because none of it has from what I can tell. But um, I think it's changed. I think it's changed a lot of the mindset at schools where schools used to be a safe place and people felt safe there Mm -hmm. to where now that's not necessarily the case. Like people don't feel safe there. Like I don't leave my door open anymore and maybe that's good. You know, maybe I shouldn't cause it's not, you know, a safe world. But like I said, statistically it seems like it's not, um, it's not more dangerous than it has been in the past. And there's the perception and the feeling is that it is right. And I definitely think children's behavior has changed and the behaviors in schools have changed and our reaction to the behavior has changed. Um, and that is all very true. I definitely think the behaviors um, have become a lot um, more, not more violent, but just a lot a lot more for us to deal with than we used to have to deal with. But as far as the actual, like, physical violence from, you know, I looked at a lot of different things here, whether it was from, like, the um, Centers for Disease Control, or CDC, like, because they oversee a lot of that, or school shootings, Education Week, and NEA. I was looking at a lot of their stuff and what they're saying and what they're reporting um, but it doesn't seem like there, there hasn't been a big increase in, in actual violence as far as gun violence and things like that. But there, there has been an increase, um, in violence, physical violence, as far as bullying, cyberbullying, um, fighting and those types of things seem to have shown quite a bit of an So increase. not the extreme example right. that we are being so conditioned to be prepared for, Yeah, but more the... You know, the smaller things that but a lot of the other stuff, yeah. We expect to happen with kids, but it's happening more often. Like right. when we were when we were young, we're sort of the same age. Yeah. I remember the uh the thing in the in the eighties when I was in school was the dropping the bomb. Yeah. Oh, that right. was the exe- existential threat that we were thinking yeah. about. I went to Concord High, so we backed up to the Concord Naval Weapons Station there. And whenever so you were going to get it. Yeah, whenever they had a yeah, map showing Ground yeah. Zero, it's like Naval Weapons Station and Concord High. It's like, okay, we're not going to have to worry about things. <laughs> it's happening. It's over. Yeah. Because when so, it happens, less than a second later, you're all gone. Yeah. Yeah. And the, But that was like growing up. That was kind of like the, the Red Dawn movies and the day after and all those kind of movies. That, Red Dawn was a great movie. But they, yeah, these right. kind of movies related to that. And then... Yeah. To now, I feel like the the existential threat that most people have is some kind of shooter in an environment just comes in and wipes things out. Like like you said, the way it feels on campus with shutting your door, like yeah. we're, we're required to shut our door and keep them locked, right? Right. My classroom opens up to this beautiful lawn and the first like 20 years of my, I've been in that room forever. You know, the last five or six years I've had to, keep it shut but it used to be open onto the grass and i would kind of step outside every once in a while and just take a look around and take my kids out to read on the lawn and Mm -hmm. just a whole different openness and community instead of we're locked in and i have i have nice windows in my classroom i feel for the teachers that are in rooms with no windows Mm -hmm. just these little boxes yeah what kind of yeah so what do you think uh what do you think what do you think should be done about this i mean what are your suggestions for you know making it safer or philosophical ideas for whatever well so the schools have in california here have taken some steps to um what i think make this type of stuff worse the first being that a law was passed this year i don't know it goes into effect until next year but um 
to uh, to stop any type of suspensions for willful defiance is what it was called. Mm-hmm. So students telling you no, you know, saying they're not going to follow directions, whatever it is, like that. That's not something that they should be suspended for. And there's been a big movement to just end suspensions altogether because they don't pr- show. There's no data to really show that they change students' behavior or that they make um, they like the students don't go home who are suspended and ponder what they did wrong right. and try to remediate it. Right. Which I, I never felt suspensions. That was the purpose, anyways. It was to remove them and to kind of make an example and say, hey, if this behavior happens, you're not welcome in this school. You cannot be a part of our society here because you're not functioning the way that keeps all of us safe and feeling like we can be here. That's what jail so, is in the real world, right? Yeah, so we're removing you from this situation, and hopefully when you come back, you'll change. Um, I don't and know. Worst seems- case scenario, the other people can do the business that we're here for. That's right. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and at the, yeah. at the very least, you get a yeah. break from that behavior mm-hmm. for a day or a week or whatever it is. So that's that doesn't seem like a good way to um, solve it. And then there also now there's another law that was just passed um, that's going into effect the next school year, which is um, you cannot take away any type of recess, which doesn't really apply to us, or lunchtime for any type of like detention or punishment for behaviors. So like I know we have a, a lunch detention for people who come in, you know, habitually tardy to class. So that's being taken away as an option, you know, to stop this type of behavior. So I, I feel like there's a lot of taking away accountability measures. Yeah, there's a lot of there's I think I feel like students know that there's not a lot of consequences that mm-hmm. we can enforce. And we have parents who don't enforce consequences either. Mm-hmm. So when there's no consequences at home for poor behavior, like when I contact a parent and say, hey, um, little Fred here is being a jackass. Take care of it. Um, and then they're like, okay. And then the kid comes back the next day and is like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not going to do that again. That's great. But sometimes they're like, okay, well, that's probably something you did at school. Too bad. Like, that's my kid's great. He never would do anything like that. And then nothing changes. If the school doesn't have any way to provide consequences, it makes it really difficult to help change that behavior and teach them, you know, this is what we need to do. So that makes me, that makes me think of one of the things, sorry, are you done? Derek? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. That yeah, makes me think ahead. of one of the things I thought of too. And that is, and I don't know. I mean, I'm, I feel somewhat passionate about this idea, this, this whole conversation a little bit, because I just think that there are some, some, uh, moral shifts, if you will, that we've made that have kind of lent itself to this. And I, I think one of those that, kind of deals with what you're talking about is I think we need to do away with providing excuses for bad behavior. Um, I think what we have done is we we have found all these different reasons why these kids are acting this way, going back to the lack of consequences, and then we allow those things to allow them to not experience anything because of their bad behavior. And the reality is like, look, I, I mean, my upbringing is pretty simple. My parents divorced when I was two. I grew up in a household with my mom. My mom was a drug addict until I was in college. Um, she uh, dated alcoholics. Are you Eminem? Oh, sorry. I'm not Eminem. Sorry. I was trying to no, inject but, some humor into that. Yeah, sorry. No, I'm not. I'm so not Eminem. Here. But you do make me think of like a possible next career. So, um, but but I did, right? So, you know, and in eighth grade, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something that I don't often say out loud. But in eighth grade, I was super depressed. I was... I, you guys already know from a previous pod, I failed eighth grade English. I was wearing all dark clothes. I was suicidal. Like I had major issues going on in eighth grade as I was trying to figure out some things. But at the end of the day, I failed English. 
I failed English, okay? All those extenuating circumstances in my life, yes, they, they spoke to that. They informed what was going on with me, but I am responsible for my behavior. I don't, I don't care what religion, race, socioeconomic status, family system I come from. The, the problem is we do not have accountability systems that need to be created and enforced in spite of all of that stuff to teach kids that there is consequences to your behavior no matter where you come from. And that that is a problem for these kids, I yeah. think. We I run into kids who get out of school and they, you know, rob a grocery store or a convenience store and then they're in jail for three years because they didn't learn that not from robbing a convenience store i was gonna say or whatever <laughs> you could just walk out with the new yeah, yeah. where there's no uh, accountability for adults and so you know i had the same thing kind of what you guys were saying like i was like causes i was thinking there's a lack of consequences and there's a lack of conscience going on in the world and the schools are taking away their tools for dealing with discipline issues and at the same time holding themselves accountable for the behaviors. Like when, right. when somebody gets suspended, it's like it's the school's fault. Yeah. Like, yeah. why did you do this? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I mean, you can't really have it both ways where you're taking away all consequences, taking away... The means of addressing yeah, and, these issues. And then holding your... Acting like you're doing something bad when you try to have a moral code you and you can't implement if you don't have if you don't have control in your school that you've just lost you mm-hmm. can't do any of the other good things schools do when kids don't i mean it's like like having a child that's spoiled or something mm-hmm. you have to have structure the kid has to know boundaries and then from there you go with all the good things but you can't raise a child without healthy limits and you can't have a school without boundaries for know? sure and that's where we're at like I yeah think. we are definitely and it's not necessarily one group's fault like i know people like let's like, oh this principal didn't do this or whatever but administrators hands are tied school boards and districts are hands are tied because these laws get passed down but um that would be a great thing by the way if maybe some of these decisions were not paid by people in ivory towers like not yeah. paid but made we're not made by people in ivory towers that you know, read books on theory, um, but have no practical working knowledge and haven't been in a classroom in the last 10 or 15 years and really don't know how things have changed. Yeah, a yeah. lot of good intentions. Sure, yeah, definitely but, good yeah. intentions. Yeah. Yeah, that's I've, I've had that conversation with many students this year as far as about holding themselves accountable where somebody, you know, somebody hit something, someone the other day with like one of our paddles in class for pickleball. And I said, hey, you can't hit kids. Don't do that. And I had him sit out for like five minutes and he started telling me why it was the other kid's fault and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, I, you hit him with a paddle. Yeah. You had a paddle in your hand. You hit him. That is what I saw happen. And he's like, well, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, you need to have responsibility. You need to admit to yourself you did something wrong and stop blaming this other person. And I said to him, if I was an adult and I walked up to another adult and hit them with a paddle in the street, I could be arrested and maybe put in jail. Like, it's a serious thing. I know we're just in class and it's your friend and we're goofing off, but you have to understand you choose to do the things that you do. I don't know if I've brought this up before and I might have said it earlier, but I have a really good friend, a couple that I've taken some of their maxims from with their kids. And one of their maxims is own your 100%. Yeah. Like, like it's not a 50-50 problem. It's not a 25-75 problem. You own 100% of your part of the problem. 
and they own 100% of their part. Do, do, these, do they not understand how it works? Do you not watch NBA basketball? Do you not understand that the guy who swings first never gets caught, but the guy who swings second always does and gets the technical foul, yeah. right? You know, as it goes back to relating to the school and the teachers and the students and everything, we have had multiple things this year where kids have, I don't say cyberbullied, but teachers. One one situation, somebody created like a Tinder account for a teacher, took that person's picture, put it on there, put a bunch of things about that person and had the account go live. Another person was wow. put on a like a fake Yelp thing for our site. And the person was saying like that's their girlfriend or like making stories up about the teacher. Mm. And when they went to have something done about it, the message was this is you know not done at school. So hands are tied yeah like, what? even thought, though we're responsible for kids door to door right isn't that what we're told yeah when they leave their house and they go back to their house apparently schools are responsible for them but wow but like just lack of general respect for authorities or even just people really like who who does this but it, it i mean this is just our school i can only imagine right. the permutations out there in the world of people I'm all different. Uh, oh, I imagine there are schools that are a million times worse than what we're going through. I mean, we're, you know, to not put too fine a point on it. We're pretty fortunate to be in a, you know, developing suburban, previously rural, quasi-conservative area of California, right? Like we have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, right, right. That's like yeah. how we describe this place. Yeah, our kids overall are, are not quasi-conservative. No, you don't think so? No. <laughs> I, I agree with the rest. I think it's a diverse area, and it's filled with all sorts of different people. You know, you've, you, we do have farms, and we have suburban area. We got a, a quite a mixture here. For, yeah, yeah, for sure. I always kind of equated us to be sort of the end of the line for the Central Valley, which I consider to be a don't, bit more. Don't do that to me. I, I grew did, up I, in I grew up in Concord, <laughs> and when I say I moved to Brentwood, people are like, "Oh, you left the Bay Area?" I'm like, "Hell no." Yeah, I, that's exactly don't, exactly. Don't you dare take well, that's what I'm. Me. Okay, so I'm not the only like, one who thinks this way. Like where the ocean meets the river in here in the Delta. Like there's a little, you know, mixture of both kind of right. overlapping, like about fifty sure. fifty. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. But as part of this too. Like you said, so yeah, this isn't, you know, a local issue for us. It's like a, a nationwide issue as far as behavior changing and negative behaviors. And one of the, the NEA articles that I was reading about this talked about how they had interviewed teachers and said more than half and more than half of the teachers, I believe, still leave the profession after five years just because it's not for them. It's hard. So they don't want to do it. Right. But they were saying of the um, 12,000 teachers they interviewed, um, over half of them are considering leaving the profession because of the violent and negative behaviors of the students that they're facing now in these last few years. Mm -hmm. And so that's a pretty substantial um, amount. Uh, they said more than half of them plan to quit or find a new place to work, you know? So there's already, you know, a teacher shortage in many places. Um, there's lots of people who thought about going into that profession, our profession, now they're not going to. And so this is something that is going to, um, become a huge issue if we can't find people to do this job and do a good job of it if we don't find a way to help these kids get back on track and i don't know i don't know where that even starts at this point um without the complete support of the parents but um i don't know that we have that necessarily we don't have a lot of parents or we don't have enough parents who are enforcing behaviors at home that would be you know beneficial for all of us when you just mentioned it was that you uh the national angle uh, this morning i was having some coffee reading this article about Two different incidents with legislators 
Yeah. In, in Congress. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. MMA guy. Elbowing and then arguing. And, McCarthy elbowing. Yeah, fight, challenging then, him to a fight so, on I mean, in the Senate floor. We're expecting Sorry. our parents and children to raise to a higher standard than right. I, I national elected officials. You know, so when you said, like, where do you go from here? You know, as I was kind of reflecting on what we were going to talk about, um, I think... I think there needs to be kind of a, it, it's hard to say a societal shift because a societal shift needs some planning and some figuring out. But I started thinking like there needs to be a societal shift where we start actually making safety of kids a top priority. I don't want to say it's the top priority because there's lots of things that are important, right? But it's got to be something that's that's very, that becomes one of the most important things and becomes sort of the filter with which we look at things. And as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking of like the tech industry, Right. Mm -hmm. Like there you are trying to get, you know, my kids exploiting kids for ad impressions, making money off of them, which is fine because that's your job. But there's a moral responsibility to make sure that your things are not your decisions are not always filtered through the bottom line, but are filtered through the development of kids limiting you choosing to limit their access to certain content. Right. They've got the world in their pocket. Literally, they can access anything that they want. They can get their hands on pornography, which they probably do at school. They can get their hands on violence. They can get their hands on propaganda. They are impressionable. And as the company who is giving the means, I'm not saying you're doing it, but giving the means to it, you should make safety of kids a top priority. And I'm going to couple that with what you said, Derek, about parents as well. Like It is our job to guide our kids to maturity. Okay, That's not the government's job. It's not the school's job. And we have abdicated that job to a computer in their pocket. Yeah. We have allowed a computer in their pocket to allow them to mature and to help them grow with complete access to all of this stuff. I, I This is probably going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay, We need to stop believing that kids have a right to privacy for anything. They are my kids. It is my responsibility to check what they're doing. I can check their phone. I can read their text messages. And for those of you out there who would say that I am violating the trust of them, I am saying that if you don't do that, you are violating the trust that they have in you to keep them safe. And so as parents, as tech companies, as, you know, any level, we need to be looking at how do we keep kids safe and what are the things we need to compromise on and do to make sure that this is working. So I think we really do have a communal responsibility this sort of hyper individualism that america expresses we are we are so fucking selfish around here we are so looking out for our own needs and our own rights and our own beliefs with this so, lack of understanding real quick, do you think i mean while i agree with what you're saying do you think anybody has the willpower or anybody can get out of their cell phone addiction enough to do it do you think? I mean, do you think that has any chance of happening? No, I think we're heading straight towards a Wally world. Bunch of fat people driving around or getting driven around <laughs> and getting getting fed through a tube uh, and you know entertaining and ourselves at to death. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's end up where we're going. The, the whole thing's falling apart. The only thing that changes is if we somehow or another lose access to all of this technology and we have to go back to actually you know being in relationship. The, the fact is, like I. As you can tell, I'm, I'm. This really bothers me. We are, we are fabric, okay. We are threads, and society is the blanket. And what keeps the blanket together is relationships. And technology is destroying our relationship 
with each other. And with that goes the destruction of society. I think that's the direction things are ultimately going unless someone in power, uh, someone in authority decides to enforce some change uh, with with these you need the Thanos of the... The of Thanos the, of the yeah. world. That's right. Of the the Thanos of the world. Not of people, but of technology. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah, there definitely needs to be people... You know, you see it everywhere now where, you know, little the youngest of our little kids just... They're crying in the store or whatever, and they're just handed a screen. Like, here, stare yep. at this. Yep. No more self-regulation. No more learning how to control your feelings and emotions. Just here, stare at this thing until you're feeling better or until you forget why you're not feeling good. And it's it's happening all around us a lot. So. And maybe that's what's leading to the, you know, again, the, the numbness that leads to kids not caring about other people, speaking poorly to adults, you yeah. know, dropping F-bombs everywhere like it's, you know. People are definitely the, the disconnectedness or the distancing and the lack of empathy that's coming through in a generation of seeing so much bad behavior just like, how, I mean, well, growing up, how many fights did you actually witness? Yeah. It would have been memorable, the ones that you one. saw I in think person. I saw yeah, one. Right? for sure. Nowadays, they could just sit there and scroll an hour, an hour, an hour, people punching each other at gas stations and mm-hmm. cars and yeah. schools. And the, it becomes a norm or something that you And need it's to something you get rewarded video. for. You get rewarded. Like, yeah. look, you made this, you, you did this awful thing to somebody. Look how many people are watching it. You get likes and yeah. followers. When something right. happens, they all run. I mean, that's nothing new. The people used to fight and everybody yeah. run. But now it's like with the phones. And right. It's all about who capturing. who can I post this and have look at everyone can see what I, I recorded. Yeah. 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 That's a, not it's a gross. good trend. Not a good trend. No. All right, guys. That's that's it. Unless you want to say something, Brad. You want to end it? You want to take Brad, us take us Say something great for us and positive right. and uplifting. Say something great. Is there any hope for these uh, the future of our world? There might you never like as much as tech. <laughs> You're supposed to say yes. He's like I don't know. Well, technology came in and did all this reprogramming. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe this next generation. They're kind of the first. This is the first wave of people that are totally immersed in growing up as if the internet is a real thing that is a hundred percent part of your life. Yes. Maybe they will have some luddite movement and start going against technology. Uh, vintage retro that always see the matrix cool. it'll be like kill your television and they see the matrix for it'll be what kill it is. your phones yeah maybe 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 Doubt it all right guys hey um <laughs> maybe they'll finally just mine all their the metals that are required and oh yeah let's well, run out over and you can't then, make another phone. yeah it's over all right guys thanks again uh for this uh good conversation i think this was really interesting uh those of you out there we hope that it maybe provided some sort of insight or interest to you as well. Um, and some uplifting feelings to go about your drive Have a home. great Thanksgiving. Yeah, enjoy your <laughs> Yeah, Thanksgiving. Be thankful um, that But yeah, uh, at any rate, um, feel free to email us at midmenpod if you have uh, midmenpod at gmail.com if you would like to make a comment on this subject. Um, also, we're not really doing much of the social media thing um, yet, but we would really appreciate we don't you want were, you just staring at social media all day. Go outside. That's right. That's right. Um, we go have a fight club in here next time. We're gonna <laughs> yes, that. exactly. We'll set this up. We'll videotape that one. Um, but tell Dirt people in. about it. Uh, the best thing you can do is uh, share share our pod with others. Um, we would really appreciate that. All right, guys. Until next week. All right. All right. All right. All right.